Hi, and welcome back to the One Minute Writing Tip Podcast. I'm so excited for today's author guest interview. I'm talking to Julian Ryan, who is the author of the Learned It in Queen's Communications Playbook, Winning Against Digital Distraction, which is so needed in today's culture. She is a speaker, workshop facilitator, and a coach who is a communication catalyst. She helps people listen better so they have more constructive communication. And she's always focused on her goal of creating deep connections and transformations, shared experiences that are transformative so that clients feel engaged and empowered. And she really believes that the use of storytelling is a critical factor to her work. Julian, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Well, thank you. What a wonderful introduction. That's uh, that's quite amazing and always amazing to hear it uh, spoken by somebody else. So thank you. And thank you for having me here. Yeah, absolutely. So will you just kick us off by sharing a little bit about your background and expertise that got you to where you are today? Well, I'll do that. I spent many years in human resources, recruiting, uh, building uh, teams, and doing a lot of listening to what caused challenges at work, what caused frustrations, et cetera. And then in addition, I did a lot of people watching. So I, I don't know if you can tell from my accent, but I am from New York City, born in Brooklyn, raised in Queens, lifetime New Yorker. So when I was commuting to work, which always took a long time, I would people watch on the train. And what I realized after a while is that the species had mutated. We had turned into a heads down living in a bubble species because we were all looking at our cell phones and not paying attention. And that was also happening in the office. When I dialed back what was causing challenges or conflict, I could usually piece it back to some simple interactions that somebody wasn't listening, somebody wasn't looking up, somebody was just making a lot of assumptions. So that's a little of the preamble of how the book and, and other things developed. But keep going. It's all <laughs> I'm gonna do some listening to your next question. Yeah, absolutely. I love what you shared about how you just took your observation in life and were like, wow, this is something that I need to address. And this is something that I can really help people with so that we can get back to what's a core part of our nature, which is meeting that relationship. And communication is such a critical part of that. So I love that you shared that. So how did that lead into your book and your coaching? and really expanding it more into the business side of it. Okay. I've always used story, uh, the act of storytelling or pulling people's stories in interviews and coaching situations. Because as much as facts help, when somebody talks about something that really impacted them emotionally, you get much more detail and context. And it was the start of really seeing how important that was and how it was a game changer at work in building trust so people could come and talk to me or when I was coaching them on their, their development, their next job, um, maybe how to look at um, the organization, it really made a difference. But before there was a book, there was a speech. Someone, brave soul out there, met me in the course of a conversation and he was involved in um, organizing conferences. And he introduced me some uh, to somebody who was the director and producer. 
And I'm telling you, I still listen to this and think it's amazing. Without a video, without anything else, just on the strength of I had given some talks in the past, they invited me to be a keynote speaker. Now, at first I thought, oh, it's going to be 200 people. I'm not a big name. I'm going to be down a hallway in a room. I've done those size groups. But it wasn't until a friend of mine sat me down who was going to be another major speaker at this event and told me, A, 500 people, executives are going to be in the room, big stage, big screen, and life change. So ask me a leading question so I can tell you what happened after that. Okay, tell me what happened after that. (laughs) Excellent, excellent teamwork here. Well, my inner queen's voice came out after thinking, well, be careful what you ask for. You're certainly getting it now. Secondly, I was saying, they're going to see this short little person on this stage and go, who is she? What does she have to say? And then the other part of me piped up and said, they're going to hear my Queens and New York accent. And that's all they're going to hear. So after a few minutes, the wisest thing came out of me and it was an answer. You're going to show up and be who you are and keep it authentic. And the best gift of that was the actual borough became my sidekick and enabled me to um, make analogies and metaphors about what it is to be frustrated when we're communicating. We have commutes. We all have commutes. We have to do things when we read an email and it gets frustrating. So the thing that I was so worried about ended up being the most important part of me. And it changed how I looked at myself and my work and how I related to my audience. Hmm. Wow, that's so amazing. And I love that you took the same principles that you teach and applied them to yourself. Yes. And then lived that out as an example for your audience in order to teach them the same thing. And that's so beautiful. Wow. So talk to me about that. You you brought up storytelling and that principle of applying it to your work and your communication. So Talk to me about that storytelling and how that factors into what, like for our listeners that are trying to communicate, whether that be through their own conversation or through Mm -hmm. written communication, how does that factor into what they're trying to accomplish? Storytelling is an amazing complement to what we're trying to communicate with others. Sometimes facts matter. Sometimes it's numbers. But when you layer it with a storytelling, a story that's particularly even if it's personal and professional, that means something to you, you're layering it with sensory details. You're providing emotion with it. The listener immediately starts to lean in because we all are hardwired for stories. It's something that every culture shares, and it's been with us from the beginning of time. And science has studies have shown us that the brain starts to fire and mirror what the other person is saying. So think about an old fashioned movie where there's a split screen. While that individual's listening to you, they are also coming up with pictures in their heads and maybe reflecting on incidents in their life that this resonates with it. So it's a way of bringing the group together and the listener together. We listen with our whole brain when we're sharing a story. Now, do we do this all the time? No. Sometimes it doesn't deserve it. You have to ask yourself, does what I'm trying to communicate deserve a story now? 
And if so, why? Maybe you can just use a metaphor that's very colorful to show your analogy. Like I could tell you, um, story is part of my life. Um, you know, it's been there when I was a kid reading picture books and bios. So something that will help um, bring it to life. But the storytelling is powerful. And I'm on a mission to share more of it because it helps build trust and some understanding and context. May not always agree, but it's the context and the why and the how that makes a difference when we share a story. Mm, I love what you said there. Yeah, so beautiful. And so as you're talking about that emotional experience and how it connects and brings the group together, I want to ask you, you said that it started with a speech Mm. and then it grew to this place. (laughs) So tell me about that journey. How did it what inspired you to finally put it into a book and then continue to grow this beyond that? A lot of great lessons there. First of all, when I finished the talk and I gave it a few times, I thought it's been well-received. It, it, it spoke to anybody wherever they were in any culture in North America and South America, because we all have digital challenges and communications. Didn't matter what their education background, what their role was. And then I went, oh, I have great slides. I have good content. Snap, I'm going to write a book. 68 versions of the intro. Because I realized what worked on the stage wasn't going to work on the page because the the reader needed to get introduced to me in a different way. It had to be different than what I was able to accomplish in two minutes or less on a stage to get my point across and use my body language and use the audience, et cetera. Then I did the best thing. Once I had a draft, I had guidance and I reached out to some very patient friends who read it to voice. And then I ended up reaching out to a colleague during COVID when we were all sitting on together like another Zoom like this. And we were saying, so what are you working on since we're not going to perform or talk? And I found out he was a journal, a photojournalist in his prior life. And it was and an editor. So ping, the bells went off. He had known me. He had he knew my humor. And we start to collaborate. Now, the next piece of advice is he took the book and reorganized my draft of how I had ordered everything and said, stop thinking of it like the speech. You have to work it differently. Now, I could lie to you and say I was very mature, when I got that email and that message, because I was like, this is my baby, you know, like my, it worked, it worked. And then I didn't respond. I said, oh, well, I said, okay. And then I read it and then it worked. So that beauty of collaboration was really important. And then the art director who I had hired was a friend of mine. He had done the original slides. And then we formed this little pod of collaboration about what, what would work and what wouldn't work in the book. So it was an act of bravery sometimes to just figure out, like take some feedback, listen, and um, and then take some chances. Like I used some personal pictures from my old neighborhood, et cetera, as I got bolder and braver going along. Instead of saying, oh, I'm not, photo places are great, but I thought it'll make it more real and and really bring it home to what I'm talking about. So all good questions. So a lot of stops and starts and stepping back and taking my own advice, listen, 
listen, <laughs> don't hit an email just yet. And then lo and behold, something better came out of the, um, the process. Mm. Yeah, you you all you definitely shared some great parts of the process mm. that I think many writers have they're not sure how to approach, right? And and that and editing is definitely one of those things and collaboration because it is your baby, especially if it's your first book. And it it does kind of feel like, oh, nope. can I send it out into the world? Like, what are people gonna say? You know? And um, and it it is very challenging, but if you can emotionally take a step back, take a deep breath, take a nap, recognize this person is trying <laughs> to help you make it better and receive that feedback with a grain of salt, but look at your book objectively, it can make it so much better and go so much farther. And I think that's why with anything that you're pursuing, it's so much better to not do it alone and to get that support and collaboration or colleague or mentor or whatever it is involved in the process because it really will push you to go farther. So oh, I love that you shared that. Yes. I mean, it's a skinny little book that's packed with a lot of good information that's practical and therapists have looked at it and psychologists have looked at it. But the page of acknowledgments is long because a lot of people went into their feedback and their 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 comments. And I write humorous things. There it's that really come from the heart, but I felt like I had to test it. So you can't sit there sometimes and say, I'm gonna make you laugh. Hopefully you'll laugh. So I had to figure out ways to insert a few comments or a few examples of things into a conversation, which is quite interesting sometimes, to test it. So the person wasn't getting ready to, to react. So it had to happen naturally. Mm. And, you know, and then listening to what people added, one of the most important parts was at the end when I was done and I was asking somebody to write an acknowledgement, she she said, you know, you left me at the end. You just ended the book. There was no goodbye. And I, and again, I thought, oh, man, <laughs> this is never going to finish. Um and then I realized there was an opportunity and I had some fun with it. And 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 it was a whole Queen's goodbye about how we act in Queens when we're trying to leave a house and we get lost and we need directions. But the whole point about bringing, bringing a bow to the work with somebody who had a fresh eye and who hadn't seen the book before, again, was another gift of sharing, listening and um, and following some good guidance, too. Yeah, it's a learning yeah. experience as we're Absolutely, going. it's it, it really is. Uh, but but one so worthwhile, and I can tell how you grew as a person and as in your communication as well through that process. And I love that. And so I've noticed too that you are walking what you teach. So you're using storytelling just in sharing with me about the process and about your own growth. And I, and, and one thing that you mentioned was how do I infuse my humor and my voice and my own style into the book? Because a book, you don't have the body language. Like you said, you don't have mm -hmm. the, the vocal tones. You don't have the audience to engage you, but your reader still is. It's, it's, it's a dialogue. It's a communication and a conversation with your reader. So how do you communicate that? So through that process, how did you really own your voice? And what would be your 
tips for our listeners on how they can do that and apply that to their book that they're working on? One of the things that was helpful at the beginning is I had some very good pictures that I had co-created with a colleague. There's one picture in there I call the angry red dude. Um, He was red in the slides in the book. He's black and white. Um, But he's the he's the example of what happens when we overreact. So sometimes the picture is the sidekick and it brings the visual to life. Sometimes the font size made a difference to punctuate a conversation. I also put a grid of expressions that we use in New York. And there's a small pod of my editor and his family who are also writers in Ohio whose language patterns have been corrupted because they would sit around the dinner table and read from the book to practice my pronunciation table to see if it really worked. So there was some great give and take. And um, and then to just take a leap of faith. Like one of the things I talk about in the book at the end, besides the digital, is to have front stoop conversations. Now you're saying, what's a stoop? Well, New York, everything changes. But one of the words we've hung on to is stoop. It's a Dutch word for front steps. And I always encourage people, basically, if you want to build some trust, is to find places you have in your space conversations versus in your face interactions. And stoops were one of those places in New York. You could people watch, you could have a snack, you could have a chat. So to find those moments in your own life at a table, a desk, wherever it is, on a park bench, to have that kind of interaction. So bring your life into your work. And I think the more we're real with ourselves and we show up loving what we're doing and being willing to listen, that creates an atmosphere for the person to feel a little safer and feel, well, I'm respected, I'm heard, and I'm seen. Yeah, 100%. I agree with you. And I love what you shared on taking a leap of faith and learning through that process. I, what you shared was definitely spot on. And so as you're as you're talking about the process through the book and what people can learn and glean, talk to me about if someone is listening and they're like, wow, I, I could definitely benefit from this book. And they're wanting to connect further with you and explore more of your humor and your voice. What can they expect by interacting with you and working with you and even beyond just the book, what can they expect from being in your world? Thank you for asking. I work with a story methodology that allows you to talk about yourself with a fresh ear because we we delve into stories maybe of things you're proud of, uh, things that were challenging, and we start to piece out what made a difference because that is something then you can start to use in your conversations or whether you're managing somebody, whether you're coaching kids or teaching in a classroom. So it's a specific methodology. Now, I do that one-to-one, uh, and I encourage people to use their voice and practice things in new and fresh ways. The power of storytelling isn't, um, even though I'm entertaining and I like to make people laugh, in a group, it's when I step away and I watch people using storytelling. So one of the things I also work with is how you use your body, your voice, and the choice of words. Sometimes uh, we use some very dismissive words. I'm trying. I should. And 
repeating those back to somebody can really help break some habits and own your space, own your confidence. So I work in very many different ways, again, as one-to-one and in group settings, because it is powerful. There's always something new to learn. Look, I, I know my husband for decades, and I'm always surprised and happy when I hear something new, as opposed to every story I've heard before. So it's a fresh ear and a fresh way of learning what's important. And it's 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 a great mirror back to what we should be really um, celebrating about ourselves. Mm, wow. It sounds like whether it's one-to-one or a group or just even just reading your book, that there's so much to glean and learn and then apply in order to really edify and help people have more meaningful communication and by byproduct relationships as well. And I love that you mentioned that it works for any type of relationship, whether it be work or family, kids, husband, you know, like it, it's so important for sure. So, That's where I workshop a lot of things. That's an I, ongoing I, education <laughs> that never ends. Yeah, I can imagine. And and that's because, you know, they're, human beings have a natural desire for those things, but we don't always have the skill set for those things. And so there's never going to be a shortage of people that need that skill set and to learn and, and to grow in those areas. So, yeah. I laugh because, um, and I cut a little bit over there. I have this book on my desk in front of me every day is a reminder about some of my rules or plays I have in the book about don't jump to, you know, make assumptions and, you know, hang on to your inner child that's having a tantrum sometimes. Because we are, I don't approach as like, hey, I'm the expert. We learn every day. And that's the interesting thing about communication and talking. We have to practice it every day because each dial, I could talk to you tomorrow. It's a new experience again. So we can't do a check mark and go, I've covered that. I'm done. It's a new dynamic. It's a new experience. How you showed up today is going to be very different than maybe next week. And things that are behind the scenes that we don't know about. So it's ongoing and every day you have to practice and come in with attention to do your best and learn. And then if you make a mistake, we have an expression in Queens, you need to learn this, a do-over. Find a way to improve or change that perspective. And I think that's Mm -hmm. the gift. Something simple so that you can uh, show that person you are trying to be a better version of that conversation. Absolutely. Yeah, I I think that's so true is being able to be humble and own your mistakes Mm -hmm. and learn the lessons from them and move on as opposed to just (laughs) dwelling in that mistake. You know, it's so important to be able to do that. So if someone is listening and they're thinking, I would love to be able to own my story, own my voice and use storytelling more effectively um, or even just get more engaged and check out your book, how can they connect with you and do that? Oh my goodness. Very easy. Um, Jay Ryan at jryanpartners.com. It's a very serious email, but behind that is humor and stories and examples of podcasts and workshops. The other place you can find me is on Amazon. You put learned it in Queens, it'll pop up and it'll uh, just be there for you. The other thing I'm participating in, I'm co-hosting a podcast with a colleague who um, is the head of narrative 
a company that does storytelling as well. So we're very complimentary and we work together. And that is Leadership Story Talks. And that usually a podcast is coming out once a week now. So, And we talk about engagement and communications and how people have used their story um, to make a change, transform their work, et cetera. So it's fun. It's a like we're doing today. It's a conversation. And I think it's um, figuring out new ways to show up for each other. So those are three places. And I'm always happy to talk and collaborate. So please do reach out. It's exciting. Amazing. Amazing. So for all my listeners, if you want to improve your communication, especially your storytelling abilities and really own your voice, I would highly recommend reaching out to Julian. I will leave her uh, details and links in the description for you guys as well. And Julian, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure and it's a joy to talk and connect. And uh, let's make a difference with our stories and our conversations. That's the most important thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, for all my listeners, thank you for tuning in. Leave a review wherever you're listening from. And I will see you on the next one.